You're listening to Alfred and Bruff. Back the other way. Here comes Ottawa. 2-1-1. Chikrin. Giroux. Chikrin. Giroux. Gets it back. Giroux. Scores! Claude Giroux wins it in overtime. You know, Kuzmenko, we know they're looking around. I think they're going for it. You know, I, I do. We asked you about Brooks, and you said, next question. Next question, because it was stupid. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. They pay the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Yeah, Kintech. You know it's a big show when the intro includes a game-winning goal by the Ottawa Senators and Claude Giroux. Folks, it is not just NHL All-Star Week. It is also Super Bowl Week. Plural. So we got to really, really, really push to bring the best sports content to you, the listener, for the next three hours. And we're going to do that. I promise. It's a four-guester. It's a four-guester. And each time there is a guest calling in, we'll go to the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. The hotline is brought to you by, believe it or not, dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. The first call, the only call. The only call. Call. Uh, Greg, we'll make four of them today. Yeah. <laughs> we got to work on the tagline, okay? It's a work in progress. First call, the only call, <laughs> except when there's there's four calls. So the first call, not the only call, will be to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Uh, he joins us after a couple weeks away whilst on uh, paternity leave. So congrats to Greg ahead of time for the new addition to the family. Uh, okay, 7 o'clock, it's the Alberta Hour here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 6. We're going to talk about No beef. taxes. Yeah, we're going to talk about beef. We're going to talk about petroleum, our shared hatred of the Prime Minister. We're going to talk about it all <laughs> for the entire hour. 7 o'clock, Bob Stoffer is going to join us at 7. He, of course, is the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Color man on the radio. He's also a Sportsnet uh, intermission panelist for the Oilers. I feel like, I feel like we have maybe collectively as a society not talked enough about the fact that the Oilers are one win away from matching the greatest winning streak in the history of the NHL. Not in the last 20 years, not in the modern era, ever. They are one win away from tying the 1992-1993 Pittsburgh Penguins with 17 wins. By the way, do you know who the third leading scorer was on that Pittsburgh Penguins team back in 92-93? Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett, everybody. I feel like we should, if we ever get him on the show, mm-hmm. we should ask him, what's it like to win 17 games in a row? Yeah. And he's like, well, having Yager and Lemieux help. 
<laughs> was that pre-overtime, or did he have overtimes back then? Uh, they had overtimes back Who was then. Rick Tockett on the Oilers? If Yager and Lemieux were Zach McDavid Hyman. and Dreisaitl? Zach, 100% he, Zach, Zach Hyman. Hyman. I don't know if yeah. he would appreciate that comparison, but mm-hmm. he's 100% Zach Hyman. Rick Tockett had 48 goals and 109 points that year. I know, and he probably spent 200 penalty minutes in the in the penalty box, too. 252. Right? Imagine all that time he wasted in there. He could have been out there scoring. But he got to watch a really good team play. So it works out. Checks and balances, everybody. Uh, 7 o'clock, Bob Stoffer is going to join us. 7.30, Randy Sportak. He covers the Calgary Flames for the Hockey News. And I'm going to ask him, when are the Calgary Flames going to trade Elias Lindholm and Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin and everybody else that won't be back with the team next year? They got to start trading guys soon, right? I also realize that... You know, our Elias is going to the All-Star game, and he's going to be peppered with questions Mm -hmm. about his future. Calgary's Elias is doing the same thing. Right. Just probably not as many questions. They're like, oh, you're here. Good for you. He might actually answer some of them. And then they'll look at his stats and be like, how did you get here? They should interview in tandem. (laughs) They should. At the same time, stepbrother style. The the Elias. PD just standing behind him. Yeah. 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 Where's the other one? (laughs) Anyway. We can see you behind Lindholm, PD. Please move. So that's the Alberta Hour. 8 o'clock, Brandon Batchelor is going to join us, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Canucks aren't back in action for a bit. We'll look back on Saturday's game. We can talk about the latest name to hit the, the trade rumor mill. Good job picking up on Zadorov a couple days ahead of everyone else doing it. Mm-hmm. That's Jason Bruff, everybody. He's got the inside scoop. Working in reverse, 8 o'clock, Brandon Batchelor. 7.30, Randy Sportak. 7 o'clock, excuse me, Bob Stoffer and 6.30, Greg Wyshynski. That is what's happening on the program today. Laddie. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I wasn't even joking about playing that Giroux highlight. We might do it again. I think we might not, though. But the only game in the National Hockey League last night, we are in a little bit of a doldrum week here. And the Ottawa Senators, yes, the Ottawa Senators, a 4-3 overtime victory against Nashville. We won't spend a ton of time talking about this. They were down 3 nothing, I think. They were. It was a huge comeback. And then Brady Kachuk said afterwards, it's like, it's time to show everybody what we're all about. And I was like, you should have done that from the start of the year. Yeah, I thought that was the plan this year to stop doing these. these yeah. uh, the Canucks did it. No the one Canucks, waits until the, the Canucks All-Star had a great, break. great start. And look at them now. Um, I, I the only thing I'll, I'll say about this is uh, I, I do wonder if the Senators could be players at the trade deadline. Do you still want Tarasenko? See, I don't like the way that this is being framed. I'd like to take a moment. Because you were pining. You were pining for Vladimir Tarasenko. Pining. I don't like the way it's being framed now. Never mind back then. Um, So that the game was on, I checked. It was on November 9th. Remember those days? We were so much much simpler then. So much more naive. We didn't know what the Canucks were going to be just Mm -hmm. then. We knew that they were okay. They got off to a really good start. They were 10-2-1. But we were thinking things like, is this sustainable? When does the regression come? What's this PDO everyone's talking about? So anyway, uh, <laughs> I, you, st- you still don't know. And I, I was like, it, the, 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 it's not even an acronym. <laughs> anyway. Pierre something. Pierre, Pierre Dorian <laughs> out. <laughs> I that happened that too. On the spot. I just came up with that. I deserve credit for that. Anyway, um, I just kind of said, oh, you know, we're going to talk about potential trade targets. Vladimir Tarasenko's out there because he's on a one-year deal and he's a pending UFA, et cetera, et cetera. At that time, see, now this is where I I, I erred in my judgment. 
I kind of thought that the Canucks were still going to be a team that was fighting for their playoff lives, right? And I'm like, if, if they're buyers, that could be a guy. So I don't, like, actually, I still think he'd be a pretty decent pickup for someone. He's actually got really good numbers. He's got better numbers than Elias Lindholm, who's going to the All-Star game. And is apparently the big bell of the ball going into the trade deadline. But um, he he's going to be a different, like, caliber of pickup. I, yeah. I know you've mentioned that as he's well. He's got a full no-trade no clause, so he he uh, he could be got for pretty cheap. And that's if, what I think, If yeah. he um, sets his sights on, like, one team. Do you remember when, like, Patty Kane did that? Yeah. And they're like, that's it for Patrick Kane. It's like... Yeah, because he only wanted to go to the Rangers. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a, a game breaker for anyone at this stage of the game. But you could do worse than adding a guy as a depth forward who he's going to have like twenty goals and fifty points, twenty five goals, fifty points this year. Yeah. Like, he's not bad. But um, the Canucks right now uh, are very clearly exploring the possibility of big game hunting. I think that's a fair way to put it. Every insider right now is talking about they're not looking at second and third tier guys. Like, Freed had out there, I guess we can jump into the audio right now, talking about Gensel, talking about Elias Lindholm. And then I don't know if you want to put Adam Henrique in that conversation, but it's very clear that the Canucks are, they're, they're all in. They're going for it, Jason. Can, they're can going I, for it. Can I tell you a little quick story about last night? I love last little night, quick stories. I was... Um, I was so desperate to watch some sports on TV that I landed somewhere I I rarely land on an NBA game. Which it one? Was, it was actually a pretty good game, Milwaukee and Denver. That was a big game. Yeah, because it was Doc Rivers making his debut uh, as head coach of Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, I loved how Denver scored like something like they, Denver won and scored like 115 points. 113. And, Mil- and Milwaukee was like, we played well defensively. It's a, it's a new NBA. Uh, also, I, I have a question that might make me seem very foolish That's to okay. people that listen to the NBA a lot. When... Um, did the home team start wearing their dark uniforms and the road team mm-hmm. start wearing their white uniforms? And why is it whenever I tune into an NBA game, it takes me a while to figure out which teams are which because everyone's got like a thousand different jerseys. And again, road teams are, are wearing like it's it used to be very simple in the NBA, like it used to be very simple in the NHL, but that changed a long time ago and everyone did it. But do you have any idea on this? Have you noticed this? Like, uh, I'm watching this game last night. I'm like, wait a minute. Where is this being played? Yeah, it's a thing. Actually, the the Athletic wrote about it recently, mm-hmm. within the last week. And I didn't get a chance to read the entire article. Did you? No. Um, I, they, But they did say that you're not, this isn't just like an anomaly or right. that you just happen to pop into the games where the home team is no longer wearing white. Like, it's a thing, right? And... The other part of it is that the teams. I know part of the the. Have you not noticed this? I thought. Yes. You, I thought you watched a lot of NBA. I. I you know what? I never notice um, the color schemes to begin with. Like I, I just watch, right? Like I don't see. Color. I don't see color. <laughs> <laughs> but the the part of the the Rubik's he's, or the colorblind. Right, yeah, I don't. I don't see anything. Um, <laughs> Part of the Rubik's or the algorithm here is that they've got so many jerseys now that they've sort of seeded it to the home team to decide oh, what see. they want to wear. Because okay. they've got, okay, they've got, um, <laughs> they have names for all of them. They have like city jerseys. So right? the white jersey okay. is called the icon jersey. All right. The dark jersey is called the statement jersey. 
<laughs> Sorry, the white jersey is the association. Okay. The dark jersey is the icon. The I'm alternate confused. is the statement. And then there's the city edition one, right. right? And then some teams threw in a fifth, the classic jersey, the throwback to the old oh, school ones. So, yeah, it becomes really confusing. Between that and then their fancy courts well, that they change up, you never my, know what's going on. My story NBA. continues because yes, right. uh, I was watching the NBA and I was like, oh, my God, are we going to have to like start what happened with a lot of NBA talk? And then... Uh, I see this little name trending on on X, yep. formerly Twitter, and I and I'm like, hmm, why is Nikita Zadorov trending on Twitter? And uh, apparently, Freed had said something on the Merrick show about Nikita Zadorov possibly being available, poss- possibly being moved by the Canucks uh, to create cap space. Um, so I think we should. Uh, Dig into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's play the audio first. Here's Frege and Merrick talking about the Canucks ahead of the trade deadline. I think they're going for it. You know, I, I do. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder about a couple guys, like in terms of, you know, Kuzmenko, we know they're looking around. I've wondered about Chicago yeah. in the last couple of days. Like, you know, if you look at what Chicago's doing, they're looking for guys who aren't signed beyond two years, right? Look, like Felino, two years, yep. Dickinson, two years, Mrazek, two years. You know, Kuzmenko's uh, one more year, and they need they need scoring. So I, I kind of wonder about that. You know, I, I wonder a bit about Zadorov too. Like, I think they're going to clear some room to open up. Um, I think they're going to clear some room to open up the ability for them to do something, whether it's, Lindholm or it's Henrique or it's Gensel or someone who I haven't thought of yet. Uh, I, I Like, look, to me, the Canucks are looking at it and saying we're going for it. So, um, first of all, I'll admit that, was it last week when we were talking about Zadorov? Yes, and this week. But and last week no, we no, no. floated the idea. We floated the idea, okay? I had heard a little rumor. I had heard, but I didn't want to come out and say that I'd heard a rumor about Nikita Zadorov possibly being made available because I didn't 1,000% trust the rumor and I didn't think it was responsible. So I kind of just came up with a discussion point is like, do you think they'd, do you think they'd maybe trade a guy like Zadorov because they don't see him as a guy that they want to sign long term? Mm-hmm. And also my main point was, you know, we keep hearing them we keep hearing them, you know, say they're, or we keep hearing reports that they want to go after a guy like Tanev, right? Or they'd be interested in Tanev. Um, well, if you bring in Tanev, first of all, you got to clear cap space somewhere. And, you know, if you, they also want to bring in a top six forward. So, yes. Would that all get done with Kuzmenko cap space, or would you have to move someone else out? And, you know, when you combine it with the Zdorov rumor that I did here, I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if they'd consider moving him. Now, it's been an interesting past little while for Zdorov because he's done some good things out there, like sticking up for teammates. It's been physical. I thought, I think he's played fairly well at times. Mm-hmm. He also made a pretty bad mistake and got benched for an entire period by the Canucks. Mm-hmm. So it does make me wonder, hearing this stuff, if there's something to this and something to the fact that maybe they brought him in and in theory they like the idea of this big dude who plays nasty and they like it, like the idea for the playoffs. But 
maybe there's something about his game that they don't love. Well, I like, or maybe they're just like, they've got targeted another player that they like more. I liked the notion that you threw out there that it might have been uh, Zadorov as a stopgap measure to fill the void left when Carson Soucy suffered his first of two fairly significant injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And the earlier one kept him on the sidelines for close to two months almost. It was also at a time where um, the Canucks had sort of been sputtering a bit. Remember there was that stretch in, I think it was late November, early December, where they essentially played 500 hockey over like a 10-game stretch, 12-game stretch. And there was a real concern about whether Noah Juleson could play uh, a regular 82 game as a bottom pair, like full, full-time NHL defenseman. Right. Uh, Zadorov came in and did what the club asked. He stabilized the back end. It allowed Juleson to fall into that seventh defenseman role. Uh, he did a lot of the things that you like about Nikita Zadorov. He's big and physical and nasty and fought and did all those things. I just wonder if the Canucks are now looking at it and saying, Thank you for your service. You've done very well here. You were never long for this gig anyway. So let's start exploring mm-hmm. alternative options. Now, the cap really doesn't the, necessarily mean that they're going to trade him, though, right? Like, no, but you, you have to. You can put his name out there and say, like, hey, um, let us know what you think about this player because we might try and upgrade. Don't forget the Canucks are in. <laughs> first in the league, right? So they obviously see this as an opportunity season. So if they can upgrade areas, um, then they're going to try and do it. Now, before you get to whatever you're going to get to, we should uh, mention that through Rick Dollywall, who was sent into a real tizzy, I imagine, after hearing the Zadorov rumors, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just with Dan Milstein, with, uh, you know, there could be two clients moved out. Um through Dollywell, uh, Dan Milstein, the agent for Zadorov, says he does not believe the rumors that the Canucks will trade Zadorov. Uh, Milstein tells Do- uh, Rick Dollywell, who told him yesterday, that he does not expect Zadorov to be moved at the deadline. So that's his side of the story. Sure. I mean, look, if we wanted to go even further with the two Milstein clients that are in this conversation, Kuzmenko. And Zadorov, it's hard not to look at it and realize that moving their money out would represent $9 million collectively off your cap. Now, money would presumably be coming back in some way, shape, or form, but Kuzmenko's at five and a half. And, you know, Zadorov, although it's not much, he does make more than Susie and Cole and Juleson. So you could make the argument that in terms of making your financial dollar stretch and what's the most efficient use of that money, he's not it. This is not in any way to disrespect the player because I really like him. I'd love to see him stay long-term, personally, but that's more from an entertainment value side of things. Uh, I think the important thing to look at here isn't necessarily who's coming up in the conversations. The important thing to realize here is that in that clip that we just played, Elliot Friedman bookended it with, they're going for it, and they're going for it. Yeah, The Canucks are very much in the mode of, this isn't... Well, we'll reward the guys and maybe add a a nice tiny little piece to the roster to give them a push going into the playoffs. This Mm -hmm. is, we're tops in the NHL at the All-Star break. We haven't lost more than two games consecutively all season long. We're healthy. We're dynamic. We've got uh, trophy leading trophy candidates for all the significant awards at the end of the year. We are not just about getting in and seeing what happens. We are in go-for-it mode. Now, when you're in that mode, it means you have to explore every single potential option to improve your club. Some of them 
might not be popular. Some of them might ruffle the feathers of particular player agents. But the reality of it is, is you're not doing your job as an executive if you're not looking at every single way to upgrade your team. And if it's unconventional, like bringing in a defenseman midway through the season and then potentially moving him out, it doesn't matter if it's conventional or not. Because the job here, again, as Freach put out there, is to go for it. Mm-hmm. And if you're in go-for-it mode, then you may as well be all in on it and go for it for real. Right. I wonder what the listeners would say if we were to ask the question, who would you rather have on the team, Nikita Zadorov or Chris Tanev? That's an interesting one. My initial knee-jerk gut reaction would be Tanev. I think there's a lot of people that would like Zadorov. I think Tanev, and it's funny because some people say, well, Zadorov's the kind of stuff you want in the playoffs. I actually think that Tanev's style might be more beneficial. Mm -hmm. I think Zadorov's style would be... Bigger and louder and more like but maybe grabbing and eye popping and eye catching. Mistake prone? Potentially. I think you put it this way. If you were to tell me who would I trust more in a one game seven, let's not make any mistakes out there. Let's block a lot of shots and make it low event hockey. Tanev's your guy, right? I also I, think I can't get out of my mind the time that <laughs> Zadorov and Myers were paired together. It was against Philly, and I think they were already down three nothing. And Zudorov tried to go on a rush, and he didn't make it past the first flyer. And, and Myers was like, we're going for this. So Myers was with him, and then Zudorov turned it over, and I think Joel Farabee went back and scored and made it 4 nothing. It was, listen, it was only, it didn't cost the Canucks the game. They were already losing, but it was a shockingly bad play. And also very funny, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it was it, it was kind of entertaining. Um, and then, was it against St. Louis that he got recently, that, that he got benched yep. for the period? Like, when he didn't tie up a stick of uh, Toropchenko, um, who scored. Like, that's... Look, everyone makes mistakes, right? And but that was a that was a bad mistake. I remember watching that, and I'm like, dude, you're a big, strong guy. Yep. You got to be able to tie up a stick in front of the net, and actually, you know, Zadora failed to tie up a stick in the last game too. So, um, I'm not, I'm not. There's a lot good that he's done as well. I like his skating. I like his size. I like his willingness to uh, stick up for his teammates, and I think that would be something that I'd like to see in the playoffs. But if you're asking me, Zadorov or Tanev, it's a tough one because I realize that Tanev gets hurt because of his style a lot, but. Um, you, you know, you could have an option of Quinn Hughes with Tanev or Quinn Hughes with Philip Hronick. I think that could be key because then you could move down Philip Hronick to play with a guy like Susie or Ian Cole. Um, I just think it would give them more lefty-righty options, especially if they don't 100% trust Juleson in the playoffs. There's a lot of people and texting in. Juleson, the- for me, would be the perfect, like the ideal seventh defenseman to have in the playoffs as opposed to having him in there right away. The, the, the role that Juleson plays when Susie is healthy is perfect. Seventh defenseman, you trust him to jump in if you're in a pinch. You could find far worse options to come into the lineup. That's great. Now, a lot of people are texting into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 on the subject of Chris Tanev about his health or lack thereof. Folks, you got to start paying attention. The Chris Tanev is always hurt narrative 
has completely been flipped on his head since he's gone to Calgary. He's missed like 12 games in three years since he's been in Calgary. As a matter of fact, his first year, uh, or sorry, second year in Calgary, he played all 82 games for the first ever time in his NHL career. This year he's played 46. He's played basically in every single game for the Flames. He's probably, over his course of time in Calgary, is a average run-of-the-mill missed time for a defenseman. So I'm not sure that that should be a going concern. Now, remember, this is all purely speculation anyway, because the other big part of this is that you can guarantee that a lot of teams that are going to the playoffs will probably be in on Chris Tanev. He's the kind of guy that a lot of teams would love to have on their blue line, just in terms of the shot blocking and his veteran experience. So it's not to say that the Canucks are going to be the you know the front runners. I think the thing here is that there's an even more of a innate connection because of the history and because mm-hmm. you know no one liked the way that he left and he's talked about his affinity for the city and for the market. Well, and he's, he's played with Hughes and he's played with Hughes. That's the big one, right? All of a sudden, you want to talk about giving your coaching staff a lot more options and versatility and variety. In terms remember, of they went kicking and screaming into the season with Hughes and Hronik together. They and it's been great. It has been good. Great. But, yeah, it's been great. But, you know, I, I do think versatility and options um, are nice as well. James from Richmond, I don't believe Zadorov will be traded. He is what's needed for a long playoff run. If anything, the team might let him walk in the offseason as his acquisition cost was very low Anyways, um, here's another text. Is there a world where the Canucks could have both Zudorov and Tanev on the team? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose you could you could um, trade Kuzmenko, clear his cap space, go out and get Tanev, and then get a lesser player with whatever's left over. But you know, the, the, they need an upgrade to the top six. That's what they need most of all. I'd agree. That's what they need most of all. So, I don't know, the way my simple mind looks at it is you trade Kuzmenko and you get a forward with his cap space. And if you really do want to get Tanev, then you're going to have to make a hard decision. And that hard decision might be trading Nikita Zadorov. Uh, if you want to weigh in on any of this conversation that we've had and will continue to have moving forward, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show, Greg Wyshynski, national ESPN writer uh, and analyst for ESPN, is going to join us. We will go around the league. We'll look at what's going on in New Jersey, Los Angeles, Utah. Yeah, we'll get to all of it. That's with Greg next. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty one on a Tuesday. Check that six thirty three. Where did I get six thirty one from? Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. That we curly go. number that looks like a sideways M, that's yeah. a three. Ah, uh, yeah. Just so you know. No, you're right. That's accurate. That's how I remember. It looks like an M. Turn sideways. 
It is time now to go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. I'm going to work in Drake lyrics every time that we can, so we're going to call him now on his cell phone. It is Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Gregory. How are you? Doing well. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just so sorry for all of the morning commutes that were ruined by your misread of the clock. I know. Um, if only there, was, there were other alternative methods through which people could tell time <laughs> like but the guy in the talking box said 33 <laughs> exactly uh-huh. and then and then they go they go to you they have to get a note for their boss it's it's really going to be a domino effect i think greg before we start talking about hockey uh, on behalf of myself and the entire show congrats to you and ruby on the birth the newest member of the wishinsky clan your daughter Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. That, and our that's the only Iris. sound that's the only sounder that we had for Iris's birth. Yeah. I know. It's also our hey, hot take Ruby, horn. Ruby, the morning show in Vancouver said congratulations. She just made heart hands. Aww. So uh I guess that means that you did good. Thanks. I appreciate it. Our, our, she, our daughter our Iris already has two different New Jersey Devils onesies to start <laughs> to uh you know, proselytize her into becoming a Devils fan. But again, the I you know, she's going to be a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I do run the risk of there being eventually that, you know, level of backlash where she comes walking in with a 94 Messier jersey, mm-hmm. and then I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that, actually, because, yeah, you've got so many different teams to choose from. You know, uh, when my mom was born in 1945, she tells me that they were mm-hmm. celebrating in the streets outside because victory in Europe had just happened. She was born in May of 1945. Well, uh, Iris was born while the Canucks are in first place in the standings in the NHL right <laughs> now, and I think that's pretty similar. Are you it's looking forward same. to Are you looking forward to seeing all the Canucks at the All Star Game in Toronto? The Canucks are invading Toronto. It's the same vibe, and people people running around the streets making V's with their fingers too. I think is also there are people making I, out I, I in the to, streets. To, it's crazy. Before I tell you about the All Star Game, I have to tell you real briefly because my my mom also likes to tell a story about when I was born. Uh, she claims I was quote in her tummy while she watched the original Star Wars in 1977. Oh my God, which is categorically a lie because I was born in March. And Star Wars came out months later, and so she, she <laughs> likes to tell the story. And I, I, every time I have to be like, "You're, you're telling a lot," and unless you were like pot smoking buddies with George Lucas, and he showed you an, uh, like a rough cut of the film, <laughs> like there's absolutely no way I was in your tummy watching Star Wars in the theater. No, man. Like it's listen, it, it's going to be a, a, a weird little All Star game. I mean, it's 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 Canucks heavy. It's obviously Leafs heavy because of of where it's being played. They're they're obviously kind of giving it back to the players a little bit in, in allowing, you know, McDavid to have the input that he had in revamping the skills competition. I talked to him the other day and I'm like, I'm like, you know, how does it feel to, to, you know, have a hand in, in creating this new skills competition and help make a, a cool party for, you know, your community being a, you know, an Ontario boy. And he's just like, you know, after last year's, we had to change. <laughs> and I'm right. like, this man did not want to see his friends in a dunk tank in Toronto during January. And I completely understand that. Um, but it should be fun. I, I mean, I, I think I think empowering the players and, and kind of putting the, the spotlight more on them is, is sort of the way this thing should work. And, and let's hope that they've got buy-in. They're certainly throwing some money around, a million dollars for the skills competition winner. Even the best goalie in the skills competition gets 100 k so uh, so hopefully uh, hopefully they come to play. 
Do you think it'll work with fewer players out there? Sometimes when I would watch these things, I mean, like, there's too many guys out there, right? Yeah. Like they, they need to simplify this because with so many guys out there, you, you sometimes get that lag. You get the, because everyone's trying to organize everyone out there and, it, and it's like herding cats in some ways. Well, so the, the impetus of this whole thing was Steve Mayer, the NHL's, you know, entertainment guru guy, uh, used to work on a show that was based on Battle of the Network Stars, which was a big thing here in the States, where the, the people that were on the TV shows and all the major networks would come together and basically compete in a, in a, in a like, MTV is a challenge, like mm-hmm. physical, you know, battles. I don't know if they had it in Canada, because you, you guys only have, like, two channels. <laughs> but but we had many channels. Yeah, Channel 3, CBC, Channel 7, CBC also, but in French. Yeah, Right, exactly. So, so, so the idea is, you you kind of put the emphasis on your stars and and I think that's kind of cool like all due respect to you know the random member of member of the St. Louis Blues that makes the All-Star game every year but if, if you can watch McDavid you know have another skills competition instead of that guy like you you probably want to see McDavid so I kind of like it I kind of like the idea of it being a little reality show adjacent where you're following the same people through all the events and maybe getting a little emotionally invested in, in, in how they do. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see it. And, and again, like, I, I think you're right that a narrow, a narrow field kind of makes the thing feel a little bit more, more important than, you know, just this massive, let's, let's find something for Clayton Keller, Keller to do kind of, kind of vibe right. over here. Right. Well, with all due respect to the St. Louis blues, uh, individual going to the all-star game which is robert thomas by the way uh yeah you're right everyone's there to watch the stars so with that being said uh, are they going to get to watch jack hughes at the all-star game so i asked the nhl yesterday about that and and basically it's like this like they're still hopeful he's going to play in the game and compete in the skills competition but he's still being advertised for both um the devils have said that they expect him to be there regardless whether or not he competes i mean i got it's hard to imagine that this guy is going to hit the ice for the first time since like early January in an exhibition uh, and not for his own team. So I, I kind of imagine he's going to show up in street clothes, pick the team with Quinn, and then there's going to be somebody that replaces him. But you never know. I mean, Jack's, Jack's a guy that obviously loves the spotlight of this event. He's a big all-star fan. I mean, I, I've talked to him in the past about how much he likes the uh, the event itself. So it wouldn't shock me to see him compete, but I just think that logically you'd expect him to maybe kind of show up in an honorary way and then and then get back on the ice for the Devils in the following week. Speaking of... Oh, wait a minute. No, I had a very important question. Oh. This is more important than... Are they going to let them drink before the All-Star draft? <laughs> um, I don't know, because the entire thing is being held on the ice. Uh, they showed... Oh. Uh, I, I tweeted out a mock-up of the... Uh, of what the rink's going to look like on Thursday night for that new event for the draft and for mm-hmm. all the other things that are happening. And so we're not going to have that Golden Globes backroom <laughs> vibe of all those guys <laughs> just downing drinks uh, and, and doing the draft, which, of course, was just incredibly fun. But That was the best you know, thing it, I've it, ever seen at the All-Star game. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I, was, I did was, too. I mean, it was like, great. Poor Shattenkirk it, 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 with his hair getting his hair made fun of. I mean, that was amazing. It was it was all fantastic. And then and then of course in true NHL fashion, it was like the guy. The, I mean, it was the players that that sort of felt like we got to dial this back. We don't like to put ourselves out there and you know have guys in, in situations that where they're embarrassed and yada yada yada. But 
you know, that was <laughs> that was a long time ago, man. The, they stopped doing that fantasy draft a long time ago in NHL years, and, and they, now you have this entire new generation of players. Like, Jack Hughes clearly wasn't around when they did the fantasy draft the first time, and, and you've got guys with a bit more personality that grew up maybe with a little bit more of a marinated in social media than the old school did. So I, I'm excited to see them try it again because I do think that you've got guys that are a bit more comfortable in this format and don't feel like they're, you know, out of their element. Speaking of Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, let's pivot off of the All-Star Game stuff. Let's use it as a jumping-off point, though. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, even if Jack Hughes is back and returns to the lineup from the first, I think it was January 5th, uh, the last time that he played, is that going to be enough for the Devils to overcome all the other injuries and the crappy goaltending that they've got to get back into the playoffs? Or are we kind of going in the direction of, this might not be our year, Progress is not always linear, and we might have to uh, kind of take a mulligan on this season and try again next year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, I, I Listen, they're a remarkably better team when, when Hughes is in the lineup. You could just look at their goals per game and their offensive production and everybody in the lineup kind of fitting where they're supposed to fit when he comes back. And also him, you know, being the guy that scores that goal in a tight game that they might lose otherwise. So it, it really, you know, you can't underscore enough how much this team is just like, uh, like a non-playable character <laughs> if Jack Hughes isn't in, in the lineup. It kind of feels that way. Um, but you're right. I mean, essentially, you know, even if he, he comes back and they do get, you know, they've gotten other guys back like Palat and players like that, they're still missing Dougie Hamilton. They still don't really have the the solution and goal that they probably need to challenge for a Stanley Cup. And, and um, you know, they, they have a long view of things. I mean, you can go on you know, cap friendly and see the ages and the contracts of these, of the core of this team. And like you said, this is, this is a runway, you know, this is, this is not sprinting towards the finish line for this team. Uh, they're they're going to get other cracks at it and, uh, and maybe, you know, we'll have a healthy number one defenseman in doing so. So I still think that they've got a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, I, I think, you know, you look at a team like the flyers, for example, is one that could easily, uh, you know, topple out of the playoff picture given, some of the off ice things they're going to be dealing with in the near future. Um, and, uh, and have, they've been trending that way anyway. So there might be a spot opening up in the Metro and you'll have, uh, you know, the Islanders and the Penguins and the Devils right there to try to take it. Cause I'm trying to find some teams that maybe we didn't necessarily think would fall into the trade deadline in any way, shape or form. Uh, maybe altering the landscape. So I was on your uh, Twitter feed and you had this. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings' recent skid has impacted the Western Conference. How? Well, one GM told you that it may have, quote-unquote, changed the math for the NHL trade deadline. Can you expand on that further, please? Yeah, it's it's real simple. Like, three weeks ago, <laughs> you, you had the, the Canucks and Vegas and the Kings looking like they had absolute ownership of the top three spots in the Pacific. And even if they didn't, and the Oilers rocketed up the standings to take it from one of them, they still were going to be in, in prime position to lock down one of the wild card spots. And then the Kings toppled off the throne and fell down the standings. And, and you have Drew Doughty calling out his teammates. The whole thing seems very panicky. You know, Todd McClellan's status all of a sudden is in question. Mm-hmm. And a team that a lot of people felt was on really solid ground all of a sudden isn't. And if you're a team that's in the Western Conference and, and, uh, and, and looking at, you know, the potential of trying to clinch a playoff spot and, and Teams like the Minnesota Wild and the Calgary Flames are very much still in the conversation for that. That's how deep that, that goes in the West. Um, the Kings all of a sudden being in a wild card position and, 
and now uh, not being on as solid footing certainly, I think, definitely changes the math for some of the teams that might have been, okay, well, we, we, can, we can try to steal that last playoff spot in the West, um, but now if there's two available, it, it certainly might change their, uh, their view of things. Do you think Jake Gensel is going to get traded? Man, I don't know. I, I keep on wrestling that with in my, in my mind as far as like, you know, do they trade him? Do they keep him? Is he part of the solution versus part of the problem? I mean, it's, it's been kind of the Penguins MO through the years to re-sign that kind of guy and, and not flip him for, for futures. Um, and and it's, a, it's an interesting kind of debate for Kyle Dubas. I mean, obviously, if Gensel doesn't want to re-sign, there's really nothing you can do. You have to trade him. But if he wants to stay, um, he's a really valuable piece. Mm-hmm. And you can certainly flip him for things that will help you down the line. And the dubious of it all is the fact that he's a guy that was hired to try to get them to win a cup now with the veteran core in place, but also keep an eye on the future. And maybe what he does with Gensel kind of informs where he thinks this team is and maybe gives us a sense of like when that transition really does start to happen because – I mean, it's it's hard to really kind of wrap your brain around this team being a salient Stanley Cup contender without a guy like that on their roster. What is it, do you think, um, that has caused the Penguins to just not they're, – they're not awful, but they just haven't been able to get it going because you look at all their underlying numbers and they look pretty solid. Why, why can't this team put together a winning streak? It's a great question because um, it, it has been sort of like one step forward, two steps back all year. And um, I'd have to you know, get under the hood a little bit to see exactly why some of these losses are happening and, and, and what's kind of gone wonky. I mean, obviously, early on this season, it was the, the power play that was inexplicably failing them when they have, you know, an entire wing of the Hall of Fame orchestrating their power play. I can't get anything going, which is kind of weird. Um, but I'll have to see what, what's, what's happened maybe in like, like the last month. Um, I know coming into the season – the thing that really, you know, had me a little bit concerned about them uh, was ultimately depth. And you think about the teams that the Penguins had that when they won the cup and challenged for the cup and just how, you know, richly talented those lineups were up and down. I mean, you know, Phil Kessel playing on the third line kind of talented and, you know, this roster doesn't hold a candle to that kind of team. So, you know, I, I think a lot of us thought that they were top heavy enough and well coached enough and was, we're going to get enough goaltending to maybe eke in. That still could be the case, but as far as them, you know, being able to find that groove, they've just not been able to find it. Uh, are the are the Oilers the new Stanley Cup favorites? <laughs> yeah, I, dude. The thing about the Oilers is this: like, it was bound to happen. I, I told you guys this when when things were dire, and, and I told everybody this when things were dire, and people were like, "No, they're cooked. They're overrated." Like the minute they get a, 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 an iota of quality goaltending, and and Connor decides to be Connor again. Like they're going to be fine, and and they're fine. <laughs> like they're better than fine. They're great. Their underlying numbers were always strong, and in fact, if you look, their expected goals against per sixty was actually better before this winning streak than it is during the winning streak. That's how good the goaltending's been. Um, I, I see no reason why they shouldn't be. Like they they can they when they turn it up and play this well, and their star players are healthy and and thriving. Like they're 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 as good or better than anybody in the league. There's another team uh, with good underlying numbers that's really struggling right now, the L.A. Kings. What's going on there? Do we just scapegoat Pierre-Luc Dubois and all this? Sure. I don't see any reason why not. (laughs) 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 I mean, like, the the thing we're all waiting for is, like, 
someone to leak that he's you know, looking to maybe join the Canadiens in the offseason. Like, that's the part <laughs> that we're still waiting for, right? Like, the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois life cycle of, of alienating himself from this team. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, the, the, that's, it's team slump, yeah. and, and sometimes it can be inexplicable, and sometimes it feels like the world's crashing around them, and, and sometimes teams get panicky and, and make a coaching change, and, and that works out well. I think the Oilers are a good example of that. I mean, I... I again, I, I chatted with McDavid the other day, and like I said, do you think that this could have all happened with Jay Woodcroft as your coach? And you know, I, I think he kind of knows that they had it in him, um, but that you know sometimes there just needs to be a change made. And so when you look at the Kings and you look at how good they are, and you look at you know their underlying numbers being so strong and how talented that lineup is, um, it, it does bear watching to see if they decide to make a coaching change. I think that that McClellan has one year after this and you got like a one year extension beyond this season, if memory serves, um, it'd be a, a, a panicky move. But I mean, like when you have Anche Kopitar and Drew Doughty, where they are in their careers and you clearly have a team built to win in this window, you kind of have to be that panicky. If, if you think a coaching change could, could turn this thing around. Cause they've got a, they've got a chance to do something here. No doubt about it. Like they're an extremely talented team, but like um, they need to get back on the hop and, more importantly, make sure that they avoid the Oilers in the first round. So maybe the wild card is the right way to go. You know, <laughs> maybe I'm such a, a simpleton that I just, like, look at a team's lineup and I go, Halford's nodding his head as I just said that. <laughs> I look at a team and I look at, like, I look at their centers, I look at their um, defensemen and goalie, and I go, you got to have all three of those things to be a good team. And then I look at the Bruins centers and without – Bergeron, who is one of the greatest players of his generation, and without Krejci, who I always thought was underrated in Boston, uh, you got Pavel Zaka, Charlie Coyle, Morgan Geeky, and some guy named Patrick Brown as their fourth line center. <laughs> um, how are the doing this? And and they're getting crazy production from those guys. Yeah. Uh, like numbers, you know, from the points generated by their center position this year versus last year, and it's like you know night and day. Um, the foundation on which they had to build this is sturdy. And, and once you have that, you can do pretty good for yourself. And by that, I mean, like you have the best goalie tandem in the league. I think, I think still you have a coach that knows how to, how to, uh, is a systems guy that, that has a great defensive oriented style that gives you a chance to win every game. You've got McAvoy and Lindholm on your blue line. So that's, that's your foundation. Like that, that's a pretty sturdy thing that you're trying to build on. And then, and then, you know, the next floor is David Pasternak <laughs> and, and, you know, Pasternak is leading his team in scoring by almost the same golf as McKinnon uh, at this point. Like that's how valuable he's been to that team. And so, you know, if you have a guy that generates that kind of, that kind of offense on his own uh, combined with everything else, that's kind of going for you fundamentally down the lineup. Um, you know, you're going to be able to, to, to hang in there. I, I mean, obviously I think that they're better than a lot of us thought they'd be, it'd be, that'd be more of a struggle that they have to kind of like find their way a little bit more, but um, it was always right there. I, I never thought for a moment they wouldn't make the playoffs this year. I know a lot of people thought they were going to be tumbling out of the Atlantic, but I mean, they're just, they're just, they, the fundamentals are there and, and the talent's strong in the right places. And, and as long as, as Pasternak stays healthy, they're going to have enough goal scoring. 
Uh, real quick before I let you go, I know Emily was working on the NHL to Utah story for ESPN, <laughs> but uh, what do you know about this development? I was reading her piece. I thought it was really interesting that prospective owner Ryan Smith said he didn't care if it was an expansion team that came to Utah or a relocated team that came to Utah. Yeah, but you know, you know where he didn't say that where? was in the initial statement that the, uh, that the, the ownership group okay. put out. He didn't say that there, and and I found that to be really interesting because it's clearly going to be a relocation, I think, before an expansion, don't you think? Like, oh, I mean, yeah, Arizona. <laughs> it's got to be, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think expansion-wise, you're, you're not looking at Salt Lake. You're looking at Salt Lake as a, as a happy landing space. Mm-hmm. This, reminds me, this reminds me of the Thrashers. Like, you know, the, like Win, Winnipeg is, a, is not the, the biggest, most desirable market. It's not, it's not Houston. But right? it's ready to go. But it's ready to go, and it has hockey fans. Mm-hmm. And so Salt Lake City is ready to go, and it has hockey fans. Demographically, it's it's not. I, I know we got to go, but like, like and oh, I go I ahead, go ahead. This, I, I got to think this through a little bit more. But like the argument the NHL made for years about Quebec was what is that it'd be redundant, <laughs> like demographically redundant. Like you're going to a place where there's already hockey fans, and you're going to put a team there. And it may not be as like an economic blockbuster for you in, in, same, in the same way that a place like Seattle or Vegas is, and it'd be redundant. Well, like I look at Salt Lake City and I say to myself, aren't we dealing with the same kind of thing, but just on the other side of the border? Like th- those people are, are kind of probably, uh, they probably have affinity for hockey. Demographically, it's going to be one of the most, um, <laughs> what, what, what I mean, one of the white, whitest cities in the league, if you look at the census. Uh, numbers compared to te- places like uh, like Tempe or Houston or other places. There's a certain amount of redundancy there for the NHL, and I'm, I'm, I know that we haven't probably gotten to the point of really like parsing what that market is. And it's clearly a thriving market. I mean, they've talked about MLB moving there too, so I'm not trying to bemoan it. I'm just saying that like for a league that is tr- constantly trying to push into new demographics and reaching new audiences and and going to where hockey isn't and things of that nature. Like Houston has me much more excited than Salt Lake City. And in some ways, Arizona has me more excited than Salt Lake City. It's just that the Arizona situation is toxic beyond repair. And, uh, and it doesn't even feel like they're really trying this time <laughs> after the 10th vote went the way it did. Like there's absolutely the energy drop in trying to save that team is palpable. And it's clearly why we're hearing so much from Salt Lake City at this point. Greg, this was great, bud. Thanks as always for doing it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy All-Star Weekend. We'll do this again next week. Anytime. Thanks. Thanks. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Man, I covered a lot with Greg in those 22-plus minutes of action. Uh, we got a lot more guests coming up in the 7 o'clock hour of the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to Alberta. It's Edmonton to start. Bob Stoffer. He's on the radio call of the red-hot Edmonton Oilers. 16 wins in a row for the Oilers. Then at 7.30, it's Randy Sportak. Uh, Hockey News, Calgary Flames writer. We'll talk to him about all the trades that Craig Conroy needs to make by the March 8th trade deadline. Lots more to get to. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.